Welcome back to Mechanical Freak. From Seattle, that city of the future on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia, today, we are on the boat. Yes. For, I'm sure, not the last time. I really do live on a sailboat, a charming <laughs> sail, sailing yacht, and that's where we are right now. I'm Greg, of course. I'm here with my friend Brian and with friend of the show, returning guest, and... Uh, Exemplar of poster excellence, Justin Ward from Divest SPD. I'm sitting here on the boat with uh, Seattle's uh, two biggest cop nerds. Um, <laughs> Justin, hey, welcome back. How you been, man? Pretty good. Uh, I don't know if I like the, the term cop nerd because it, it makes me sound like uh, a nerd who is a cop. Or... Which is true, but we don't want to... To get that across, <laughs> is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, you're just you really love cops. <laughs> well, we we brought you on the boat to vouch for the fact that Greg really has a boat because we know cops are the most trustworthy people. So, mm, right. <laughs> now, to be clear, Justin is not a cop. Is what a cop would say. Welcome back. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to I have to tell you if I'm a cop or else it's entrapment. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you can ask me. You can ask me. Are, are you mm -hmm. a cop? And I'll, I'll tell yeah. You. That's a piece of legal advice that our listeners can take to the bank. Right. <laughs> that's that's a true fact stated. Uh, well, Justin, uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit just right off the bat. You know, tell us a little bit about Divest SPD. What it, what is what does it do? Where can people find it if they don't already follow it, which they absolutely should be? Uh, sure. I mean, I think um, I think a lot of people, uh, if they they heard about what we we do, would describe us as like. Uh, police accountability organization, but I'm not really, uh, I don't really like the, the word accountability because to me, I think um, accountability, the goal of accountability is to uh, sort of like maintain the legitimacy of policing as an institution. And that's, that's kind of the opposite of what we want to do. Uh, we're about uh, delegitimizing the police, <laughs> uh, discrediting them. And so forth. Uh, so I would I would describe us as we're a, we're a propaganda organization, um, a research organization. Posters. Uh, yeah, we post. <laughs> we're we're enhanced we're enhanced posters. Um, we elite level posters. Yeah, I mean, I would say. Well, no, I mean, it's like it's not like we're just like posting about stuff that we we, we find out. It's like. Uh, I mean, we do a lot of stuff. I mean, it's the other thing, too, is like, I don't know if we would call it journalism either. It's because, like, journalism has to, you know, maintain some kind of, like, facade of being balanced or objective. I mean, it's like, no, it's like we're, we're against the police. Um, we're trying to destroy the police. And, but we're doing it with uh, a lot of, like, I would say journalism methods. We follow open records requests. Uh, you know, we work a lot with documents. And as far as where we can be found, like right now, uh, we're mostly posting everything on Twitter, uh, at, at DiveSSPD. And, uh, but we're starting to try to, like, uh, we're also on Instagram at the same. We're also trying to expand, I would say, like our uh, propaganda dissemination channels. <laughs> like, I think we'll, you know, eventually get on TikTok and um, True Social. Yeah. yeah. We're, just, we're, we're just gonna get on all of them. Your, your plans to get on Kiwi Farms have Kiwi been Farm. delayed a yeah, little bit, yeah, but, yeah. you know, we're still holding out. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, basically, we're all a volunteer organization. Um, 
yeah, if you want to volunteer, if you want to learn how to research the cops, um, you know, it's like something I think uh, on our long term agenda is to like, because right now we're kind of a small crew uh, just working together. But like, I think uh, like our long term goal is to have sort of like a broader like community, like crowdsource uh, police research organization where, you know, we kind of get like a, you know, like a sort of like a mechanical Turk type thing, you mm -hmm. know, where you have like everybody just does like a little bit of the, the research or research is one person or one document. And then we kind of like, uh, you know, put it all together and synthesize it. And, you know, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Sounds great. And uh, a great follow. Like, I yeah, mean, if you want to follow uh, the police beat in this town, uh, that's that's the place to go, you know. Yeah, yeah, and one of my favorite features on the follow, which I think is y'all's uh, pin tweet even, mm -hmm. is the Seattle's Least Wanted, which are just little, like, trading cards of mm -hmm. some Seattle police officers and their various uh, misdeeds, uh, which uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. And maybe is there a funny one in there that you think? <laughs> um, yeah, what, I mean, what's, what's your favorite card? <laughs> like, uh, I mean, yeah, the, there are some kind of... Um, there's some that are like I would say like more infamous and like I mean there are, there are quite a few really funny ones I would say um, like I guess the like one that comes to mind is as far as like being really funny is is the uh, this guy his name's I think it's Patrick Satterwhite you know they all they all have like really like dumbass names <laughs> really really bad cop names but this guy um, you know there's a lot of like, um, but no, anyways, he, he went to the, like the police awards banquet that they have every year and then he got shit faced drunk and then he went to like karaoke or something afterwards. And then he was like, all right, you know, time to do some police work. <laughs> like, he sees somebody come in, he sees somebody come in who has like a gun and he's like not apparently doing anything like according to like what um everybody else at the bar said that the, the guy with the gun wasn't doing anything he just had a gun and he was like yeah. some some good old boy yeah from like out of town who came to seattle and he heard seattle was dangerous yeah so he, sure. brought, he brought his gun with him to this this bar and then he like, heard seattle was dangerous from the police yeah, from yeah, seattle, yeah. from carmen yeah. best or whoever uh, alternative viewpoint here uh maybe he's just really into karaoke and he wanted to like shoot it up in the air you know in <laughs> celebration that's you know? the finale to his song yeah, yeah, yeah while hopping from one foot to the other yeah. you know uh -huh. <laughs> but no so i mean i don't know why what got into this guy's head to like he, he ended up like taking this guy down and then like arresting him like he didn't call for backup <laughs> or anything he was like drunk as shit like he it, it was an open question of whether he uh, he held his miller can up to his mouth and talked into it like it was a radio <laughs> yeah, yeah. and expected backup to show up and they yeah. never did i mean that's not on him but uh, i don't think he ever got in any serious trouble i think he maybe got like suspended but you know like i don't know it's like people Getting suspended isn't as bad for a cop as like it sounds. You Just know, getting suspended from middle school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like most of the time they can like they can do something with it where they like uh, like spread it out. Like if they got like mm -hmm. a month worth of suspensions, they'll take one. You know, one a, uh, a once a month. You know, like one thirty days. They'll take one day this month, that month. You know. 
And so, so it doesn't actually like affect their pay at all. It's just more of kind of like a black mark on their record, you know. So, but yeah, I mean, that's one off the off the top of my head. Uh, but I mean, I guess in terms of like what, um, like in terms of the like the more more no notorious cop, I guess the one that I'm always coming back to is this guy Michael Tietjen, who is famous for running his car up on the road yeah. uh, on on a sidewalk, on video. Uh, yeah, on camera and like. Referring to um, protesters as cockroaches, like bragging about how he got like paid two hundred thousand dollars a year to babysit, you know, mm -hmm. these animals or, or whatever, you know, it's a real asshole. But I mean, he, he's got like a long ass history, like going back to like the two thousands. He got in trouble for like allegedly like planting uh, evidence on this like. Um, this guy in a wheelchair, like very cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, he. But so he and you know, speaking of boats, like he and his partner, who, who's also a notorious shit. They got like yeah. put on the boat. They got put on the harbor patrol mm -hmm. for like a decade almost. And his 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 partner, uh, who you know was also involved in all these, he was just like famous like for like brutalizing like black youth, Greg Newbert, mm -hmm. and like so both of them got taken off uh, the street and put on the boat. Uh, but then, like, basically, uh, Tedjen got quietly, like, rehabilitated, like, over yeah. time. Because, like, eventually he was he was on the job long enough to uh, to where he got all these points for being on the job long seniority, for a long time. Basic seniority. Yeah, seniority. He got seniority, plus he got, like, uh, service credit for being in the Army. So he, he became a sergeant, and then he got back on the street and immediately, like, started, like, doing all kinds of shit. Like, just, like, you know... He was like he had the most he had the most sustained complaints from the 2020 protests. Do you get a special citation or like promotional points <laughs> when you stay with a single department long enough to actually complete all your suspension days? Yeah, you know, right. Like, <laughs> what, your 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 75 suspension days you want that you're doing once a month. You you actually are there the 75 months yeah. and like do they throw you like a pizza party when you? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Get, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so, I mean, like, yeah, okay, so he, he gets back, he becomes sergeant, he, you know, distinguishes himself in 2020 as being, like, the worst asshole of all of the awful assholes on Real accomplishment. Unit. Yeah, I mean, like, he... Well, the, the worst, one of the worst that you can identify by mm -hmm. name and with, like, uh, quotes attached, yeah. you know? A lot of other guys just like shot tear, tear gas cans in people's faces too. Yeah. Which he might have done also, but you know that's just sort of anonymized to the whole department. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, but anyways, but yeah, okay. So after that, he supposedly got transferred, and then he he, he got like this huge suspension. There was a big news story, and he got like a disciplinary transfer. But then you know, uh, a few months later, like after all this, like I'm checking the roster. I'm like, oh wow, this guy's a lieutenant now. Like, yeah, yeah. So he oh, got yeah. promoted again, yep. you know, and this is, this is something we actually see like all the time is like just these like, quote unquote, bad apples. They just keep climbing up the ranks. And it's like, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, that's something if you'll like actually go through uh, through the thread. And so we have a thread. There's about one hundred and ten. And that's maybe like. A third of the material that we've already compiled, like not 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 including like all the stuff that we're we're like waiting for, you know, because we got you got at least like a couple hundred uh, open records requests still pending. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, but I mean, it's, we've, we've already done like basically like a tenth of the, um, the, the officers who are like the active officers or whatever, like the, mm -hmm. the deployable officers. So we've already gone through about a tenth and yeah, yeah, we're not even like close to being, just getting through the ones that we, we already have dirt on. Like, so yeah you know we're doing it at about a clip of uh we're doing these threads about once a week you know and so we, mm -hmm. we, we still got a lot to, uh you know we usually post about monday or mm -hmm. wednesday or some, something around about you know yeah what if uh you know but maybe you have like a good god-fearing seattle liberal uh who uh voted for jenny durkin twice uh you know i guess she only ran once uh, whatever jenny durkin was he says well that's a great list and all but all we gotta do is just get rid of those guys Right. Yeah. yeah. Then SPD's fixed. Right. You know, uh, maybe what, what's what's the problem with that logic? Well, I would I would say like one, it's like what I mentioned before. It's like getting rid of those guys is like you're, you're talking about like most of the middle management. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like basically like the backbone, the sergeants yeah. and lieutenants. It's like. These are these are the people who are running the day-to-day -day operations of the department. You you go up higher too. You've got some real shitheads like and and captain at the captain rank, like you know the captain of, of South uh, South Precinct, uh, Scott Moss, who's been like multiple arrests for DUI, domestic violence. Like mm -hmm. he was, uh, he was arrested for allegedly like uh, cutting his wife's mm -hmm. hand with a knife and Jesus. like. Uh, and he also, like, another one he didn't get arrested for, but he, like, assaulted his teenage son while he was drunk, like, vis visibly. I mean, um, you could smell the alcohol on him. Like, the, the police noted that, but nothing ever came of that, you know. It's like the DV charge, like, he was acquitted because his wife wouldn't uh, cooperate, mm -hmm. you know, which happens, like, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Especially in police domestic violence. I mean, so it's like, at every level, you've got somebody, like... Uh, Lieutenant, Lieutenant um, Laura Alcantara is another one. Is like she uh, lied. She used a racial slur. She should have been fired, but she was saved by the spa contract. It's like so. I mean, at every level, it's it's just funny because like you know the SPD is under consent decree. Yeah, yeah. And it's like all the people who are responsible for some of these incidents that were like cited whenever, you know, uh, activists were calling for SPD to come under consent decree. They're now like running the department. Yeah. You know? So because of seniority, because <laughs> they just been around for long enough to where they got, you know, they compensated for their, their bad test scores or whatever, just by being occupying space like mm -hmm. for like 20 years. And like it's like taking up. Like cruiser length space and drive through lanes, and that, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. you're, before you know it, you're a lieutenant, you know. Well, and I think it says something too. I mean, you talk about this officer who, all the way back in the early aughts, is somewhat infamous for his treatment of particularly like black youth and stuff, right, on mm. the streets, right, uh, who then gets promoted to sergeant and then becomes the most infamous cop at the 2020 protests, mm. at which point he gets promoted to lieutenant. And at some point, too, it's like, you know, maybe somebody can say, like, how do these bad apples keep getting promoted? But it's like, well, maybe the promotions are the answer, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe this is what they're looking for, you know? I mean, yeah, that's true, to I think, to a certain extent. But it's also, you know, another thing is I, I think sometimes people, like, officers literally do kind of, uh, 
You know what I mean? In some, some cases, it's just kind of like automatic or whatever, like based on this kind mm -hmm. of like uh, sort of twisted version of meritocracy. You know, it's like, uh, but I think also sometimes people get promoted um, just to get them off the street. So they're not like, they're not like causing a lot of problems. I mean, it's like that guy, um, you remember that guy, uh, Shandy Cobain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like the Mexican piss guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the OG, yeah. Yeah. The, the consent decree hero. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so it's like right after that, he got assigned to, uh, you know, I mean, I guess technically be, being a detective isn't a promotion, but you don't get paid more, but it has like prestige and yeah, it's yeah. easier and it's like yeah. a cake job. And so that happens, I think, a lot of times. More consequential, uh, yeah. probably, yeah. potentially. Yeah, and so that happened. He got he got put in robbery. And that other guy, the guy who stalked, uh, stalked a black man at uh, his workplace at AutoZone. Oh, yeah. That yeah, guy. Yeah. Uh, Pawlowski. He has a hilarious Polish name. But yeah. Pawlowski. Yeah. Frank Pawlowski. Frank Pawlowski. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, got, he got demoted because <laughs> he had just recently been promoted to sergeant. And he got demoted. But then he got transferred to doing, like... A, a detective role to like to yeah. where he's taken off the street and he's like now he's doing like auto theft or something like that you know and so i mean well the, the, just to circle back to your question because you said you know about the the bad apples and it's like i don't know it i mean it's like the one thing there's the there's, there's the actual like logistical issue of like firing like I said, the, the, the middle management of SPD, wiping them out. I mean, I think that might might help, but it's like, then there's just the general, um, you know, something you read about in, in, in sociology and criminology is they talk about uh, the working personality. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, there's probably lots of, I imagine there's, there's some good people who do become cops for whatever reason. Sure. You know, it's like, uh, but I think just like the... Uh, the experience of being a cop. It's like, you know, putting aside even like, um, you know, like I think the culture of policing, the, you know, the thin blue line and, you know, just all of that, but just like the, the actual experience of like your role as like one, an enforcer of order, property, et cetera. You know, your job is to, to enforce all these things through violence Mm -hmm. It requires you to be suspicious of people. It requires you to be like intolerant of people bucking your authority because your job is to be a weapon. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you're naturally, I mean, that's, that's, I think that's a big reason why, um, you know, police commit domestic violence at like two to four times the rate is because it's like they're used to coercing people because uh, that's part of the job. They're used to coercing people with violence or the threat of violence, and they're used to like not having their authority questioned. You know? Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, for anybody that's uh, watched somebody they know or whatever go through becoming a cop, right? Uh, you do see. I mean, I I, th I legitimately think a lot of people become cops because they have in their head some middle class conception that they're out there to do good, right? Mm -hmm. But you can see in the training. I mean, you see them change, right? And I, I think this is one of the things that you're trying to highlight at Divest SPD, right, is that this is a structural problem about policing, right? right. Like, you know, we could get rid of Frank Bablocki. We could get rid of, we could get rid of all these guys, right? Mm -hmm. But these structural problems around policing guarantee a, a return to this state of affairs, right, at some point. Um, Even if the project of, you know, what you call discrediting the police mm. 
involves probably productively talking about specific, you know, scumbags. Yeah. Because that's, that's, those are the stories to tell about, about the institution, even if that's not necessarily the prescription. You know, it's getting rid of them. You you track them, you know, you track them going Mm -hmm. through and just showing like how these guys, they never go away. They never get held accountable. They like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think it is like to me, the reason why we do we do focus on individual officers a lot is because it's like that's that's a propaganda tactic. It's like. Uh, we want to make these officers famous. We want to ha- want them to have um, like names. I mean, it's just, as opposed to a random officer did X or Y. It's like we want we want them to be characters in this story of of mm-hmm. the Seattle police, and and so it's easier for people to like latch on to. You know, it, it's like it's it's a lot easier for people to, like conceptualize things you know mm-hmm. it, rather than just some like anonymous like grunts out there doing x y and z you know yeah mm-hmm. but i think by showing right that uh look uh they continue to do bad things nothing ever seems to come of it right i i think one of the positives of that too is it exposes the uh fakeness or the ineffectiveness of the reform regimes that we mm-hmm. have been able to obtain right like uh, when you look at you know how the OPA responds to some of these complaints and stuff like that, it shows the inability of these institutions to deal with the problem, right? And the size, yeah. the magnitude of the problem, right? And uh, you know, I, I think that's worthwhile. Um, but yeah, I mean, talking a little bit more about maybe the uh, the you know politics of policing. Uh, I had seen. I, I think it was y- you all reposting this that drew my attention. To this Washington Post article that came out the other day, right? Mm. Um, and it was talking about some information that had just gotten released from 2020 uh, about how when Patriot Front, which is you know white nationalist group, was going to march in Washington D.C., uh, a, a local jokester, I think, in the D.C. area, a little prankster. Uh, started, uh, I, I think he had a, a fake Twitter account and the police maybe contacted him first, but whatever. He somehow got on the phone with the intelligent, the head of the Washington, D.C. police intelligence unit who thought he was the head of Patriot Front. <laughs> and they started, awesome. and he recorded their conversation. Uh, he, you know, told the police officer that he, you know, wanted to make sure that there was, you know, or wanted to ask if there's any friendly officers on the force. <laughs> Uh, the police officer was uh, coyly responded to that, uh, you know, oh, you know, I can't take an official position on that, but then followed up with this quote, which I want to kind of get your opinion on. Uh, I think if you look at just, uh, I think you look at just kind of the ideals and demographics of your group and other groups, you all tend to be more favorable of law enforcement than other groups. I'll put it that way. <laughs> so, what do you ideals th- and demographics? The demographics really uh, stands yeah. out. Uh. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just get lucky on the phone, right? Um, what in light of this uh, coming out or whatever? Uh, what, what do you think this says about policing and you know uh, how police functions? Well, you know, I think it's like you know whenever. Uh, they that article was posted you know a lot of people were doing kind of like the predictable thing like uh quoting uh rage against the machine like some of those that work forces are the same oh. that burn crosses that's that sort of thing and it's like 
I don't know. I think there is some kind of like room for uh, nuance when talking mm-hmm. about um, police and, and their attitudes or their relationships uh, towards um, like the far right or towards Nazis. It's like, I wouldn't necessarily even say that like, even like a huge portion of uh, police officers are like bona fide like Nazis and white nationalists. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like maybe five to 10%, you know, something. But, you know, uh, police are are very far to the right. I mean, like I would say, because if you just look at, you know, something I like to quote a lot uh, is this 2016 survey that was like 80, 80 something percent of, um, I think it was like 83% of police officers supported uh, Donald Trump in oh, 2016. Yeah. That was from yeah. a police magazine. Yeah, it's and it's actually, most... it's, it's hilarious because it's like 90%. And yeah. then you're like, wow, I can't believe there are that many Hillary Clinton supporters. But if you go look at the poll, the rest of it's Gary Johnson. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> oh, yeah. right. I think Hillary Clinton's like 2% and the rest is Gary Johnson. <laughs> Amazing stuff. So, I mean, I think, I think like, I would say most police, most police are Republicans and conservatives of some sort, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and if you if you just like the the center of the Republican Party has shifted just so far to the right. So I mean, I would say there's there's a whole lot of police that are like kind of, you know, maybe you know maybe they're not like explicitly like white nationalist or you know maybe the the, the kind of people who like like to think that they're not racist or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. But but they're definitely, like, QAnon people. They're Gadsden flag people. They're, mm-hmm. like, you know, that that sort of, like, Oath Keeper type fascist. Yeah. You know, I would, when he uh, said demographics, he meant white middle-class people in a non-racist way. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, just in, like, a, yeah. a, a race realist way. You know, yeah, well, like, yeah, the way that, like, your average Republican means it but doesn't think that it's racist right, or whatever. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think you're right in the sense that they're not, like, brothers. They're more like kissing cousins, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, there, there's another element, right, too, like, which is, like, okay, so notwithstanding that he said, you know, ideological and demographic <laughs> yeah. to the white nationalist, right? Yeah. Okay, like, which really kind of, but, but the, I think the key thing is he said, tend to be favorable to police. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which is... I think the most got that's a very telling thing because like what we say a lot is that to, you get to, we got to understand about the police is they are a hyper politicized group, uh, not and yes as you're saying like to the right along with the rightward shift of the Republican Party the the growth of you know more fringe like right wing uh, politics in the country but the police themselves are yes politicized heavily to the right toward Trump but also in an insular way to themselves. They have a, mm-hmm. a political solidarity with each other that seems to surpass like every other possible commitment. They are essentially a self-aware class of, you know, uh, warrior servants of power like, mm-hmm. like the, the Janissaries of the <laughs> Ottoman Empire, right? They have, they have you know, a... A tool, a, a a militia, an army that has come to like see itself as its own like class with its own identity, with its own extremely important solidarity, because it wields its own power. As the other thing we've talked about is a lot is that they are absurdly, preposterously, in a way that 
most Americans don't really grasp, like a genuine, like actual major political stakeholders in America and especially like on the local level that in a way that exists outside of like the the sort of superstructural like discourse of like local electoral politics, sure. but which is extremely powerful. And that's like, it's funny that he's conscious of that. He's saying like, yeah, well, like you, you fly the, 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 the blue lives matter flag. Like, well, at a certain point, like, you know, <laughs> that, that goes a long way with us, you know? Yeah. We're not going to put on the robes with you, but uh, we, you know, we will wink when we walk by each other and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it's something you noticed too. Like, I was actually watching um, like this old documentary about skinheads, and you know, they show show the skinheads marching, and it's it's funny that you notice whenever like Patriot Front or the neo Nazis, whenever they're doing a march or whatever, like the cops like march with them. Yeah. Like, have you yeah. ever noticed that? It's like, yeah. it's always like. This is my with, favorite thing about police. Yeah, yeah. Back to the Nazis, <laughs> face to the protesters. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah. it's like if, um, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're like an anarchist group or something, it's like uh, in 2020, the, the, they're just like chasing you downtown or like, mm -hmm. you know, forming lines and stuff. It's like, but I, I mean, the other thing too is like, I mean, you know, aside from the individual level of, like, what uh, individual cops think and, like, mm -hmm. to the extent that they have, like, some common ground with the far right or, or whatever, there's also just kind of, like, the, just the generalized position of the state or, like, the attitude of the state towards the left and towards the right. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, if you study, like, Cuento Pro, um, like, under J. Edgar Hoover and stuff, it's like they had... The the uh, the FBI was pretty heavily infiltrating uh, the Klan and all those Nazi groups and stuff. You know, there's the, the saying there's like like one out of every four members of these groups was like a, no. a Fed informant or something. And so, but if you looked at actually like because you know they like I, I saw a study about this and you looked at like the type of operations they were carrying out against the Klan. Versus the type of operations they were carrying out against uh, the Black Panthers or something, it's like it's it's like they they carried out almost like quantitatively they carried out almost as many operations, but it's like the main uh, goal of uh, the FBI and dealing with the Klan was to prevent them from like doing violence or something. That, or that's what they said. And then their goal with the left was to just destroy the organization's root and branch and like you know they probably never admitted this but just to like murder all their leaders or get mm -hmm. their leaders murdered you know so division just like completely destroy the movement so i mean that's another thing to think of it's it's just like you know like a, cops just don't they don't consider like the right to be a threat because i mean it's yeah. like they don't consider the right to be like a threat to the status quo or like a physical threat. And I mean, that's the same sort of like uh, underlying attitude that they had towards January 6th. They were just like, they were unprepared for that because they were like, oh, we, they're just, you know, right wingers just going to like march around and yell and like. Yeah. They just didn't fundamentally see them as yeah, a threat, right? right? Like whatever they thought they were going to do, they just didn't find it threatening, right? Yeah. And, when I, and I think the January 6th one's perfect because afterwards there was the famous video of the woman crying and being like, they're, they're not supposed to attack us or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there is this thing, too, of the police, as right-wing as they are, they are there to protect, you know, the vision, the status quo vision of order, right? And so Absolutely. 
even though they might sympathize with the January 6th protesters or whatever and might even be in the crowd, uh, if they're SPD, um, you know, those police on the Hill or whatever aren't going to let them, like, murder a senator. You know, like, yeah. go into the thing and, like, murder a senator. They're, they are going to eventually shoot one of them, right? And uh, it might take longer than it would if it was a group they found more threatening or whatever. But, uh, you know, some of the January 6th people then had a little... Uh, a little cognitive dissonance, with, mm. you know, about that, that conflict. Right. But it's not to get confused about that rightward drift, you know, yeah. that we talked about. And I mean, I think one of the interesting things is this DC intelligence officer, his excuse is basically like, Oh, well, you know, we try and create relationships with these groups so that we can figure out what they're doing and we can monitor them to make sure that, you know, to protect the public safety or whatever. Uh, there was a very similar incident in Portland, 2018 or 19, uh, where a police, another lieutenant, uh, was found communicating with Joey Gibson's mm. group, uh, Patriot Prayer. Very similar text. Uh, when the text finally all came out, uh, let's just say some of it was a little suspicious. But anyways, uh, he had the same excuse. And you could say, okay, well, uh, I guess that's all well and good. What's interesting, though, is... They never reach out like that to anybody on the left, right? You know, I don't know. Like, maybe they, maybe they do, but they yeah. just like nobody, nobody on the left talks to the cops. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, a good, yeah, it's a I great. Mean, I think it's a great defense. I think it is in this case. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Like in some other parallel world where yeah. the police were honest actors in this and not politicizing yeah. the way they were, and you had shithead, dumbass right wing groups, which again, in this very different political context, this might be different, but who are like, happy and eager to, like, kiss up to the police and, like, feel like they're buddies, like, uh, you, you you would shine them on like that. It'd be a perfectly good tactic. And, yeah, you might probably get nowhere with the left doing the same yeah, yeah. thing. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's... it's uh, the, the thing is, to, to be able to see with our lens that that's bullshit, you have to, you know, you have to understand yeah. the entire context, not only the yeah. politicization of policing, but also something that explains the sort of the January 6th, uh, you know imbalance the dichotomy of responses toward like the 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 gulf between how they reacted to those people to like any minor like left-wing protest is they're also very stupid lazy and bad at their job and that's what you were seeing <laughs> on january 6th when that is a, a foundational thing that you were seeing on mm -hmm. january 6th there may have been other things going on there may be an attitude certainly there were cops in the crowd from spd but the people the guys like who at first just were like, uh, they're just dumb, lazy, <laughs> didn't do the work. There are, again, other things going on. When they do do the work, when it's any kind of left-wing protest showing up in any location, however small, just wanting to like walk past a building or something, and they kick into gear with all the toys and all the training suddenly, it's not because they're good at any of it. It's because they're politicized, and now they're they get excited. They get hard-ons yeah. to like do something, yeah, and yeah. that motivates them to like pull out all the stops. Also, be very bad at it, but like look like they're doing something because they're motivated. But that's yeah, you know, that's a big part of it too. You know. Well, I, I mean, an interesting comparison would be when they were doing the port protests in like two thousand six and seven against the Iraq War, uh, just south of Tacoma, right? And uh, the police there. They basically formed like a f homeland security fusion center where, you know, local police organizations were working with army intelligence and Navy mm -hmm. intelligence and FBI and all that kind of stuff to infiltrate those groups for the purpose of like taking mm -hmm. names down, destroying the group, right? Create, you know, essentially doing COINTELPRO stuff. And it's like, 
yeah, when they want to work with when they want to <laughs> when they want to dissipate left energy, that's what they do. Yeah. When right. they want to dissipate right energy, they make a friendly phone call and are like, "Hey guys, what's up?" You know, like uh, the guy in Portland, you know, he was basically doing the uh, reconnaissance for Patriot Prayer, right? Like when they were marching, mm. he was texting guys in Patriot Prayer and being like. Oh, the anarchists are on this block. Better go a different direction, right? And and there is a world where you can say yeah. like, well, that's just public. He's just monitoring the public safety. But mm. it's like, or you, you need know, the whole. You, be, you need a bigger picture <laughs> yeah, and see a lot more piece yeah. of the puzzle to yeah. understand <laughs> that more deeply. You know, but yeah. it's but it it's that's like this way it is with all like the misdeeds of cops. There's most Americans have this completely delusional, propagandized image of the cops that if you fit like one incident or one video they see, if it even gets to them in. You can, you fit it into this larger context and you explain it away. Or, you know, you come back with all the different layers of, oh, well, then get rid of the bad apples, why don't you? Or whatever, yeah. you know? And it's like, well, you know, we see through it. But. Well, there's actually, um, <clears throat> there are two incidents in 2020, I think, that, you know, are directly relevant to uh, this conversation. Mm-hmm. Is like, one, the first one was like, you know, way before the, the, the protest. It was like in January or something, like, and these militia goons showed up in Seattle, and they they had some kind of thing at uh, City Hall, and there was like a small counter protest, and like the whole time they kept the counter protest. This was maybe like fifty people counter protesting, like twenty people or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the whole time they 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 kept those two groups apart, and then towards the end, like I don't know why I, I still don't understand why SPD did this because it seems like they just wanted to do kind of a drill and to just practice like pushing and you know get you know get their troops blooded or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, they did this. They they had about a hundred cops. There was like like I said, it's like twice as many cops as there were like protesters, and they just pushed us all up, up the street. They knocked down this like old like uh, Trotskyist lady. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It just like brutalized the shit out yeah. of everybody just to like cover for the exit of these like this handful of out of town militia guns and then later on in july um like after after chop came down um because you know i mean i'm sure you all remember this but like whenever like chop was going on for the brief period it was there was like all this it was we were like the focus of the nation like mm-hmm. every fucking unhinged right-wing crank was like talking about liberating Seattle or whatever. And so they had this thing planned for, like, July 4th. It was like, the Patriots are going to come liberate Seattle. And, and like, and then... then, then Slipping the day, into your native accent. <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could pull it out. Uh, but then, you know, the day came, like, it was, like, after a chop. So they're like, okay, well, I guess we're, we're still going to come do this. And they had about, like, 50, like, literal neo-Nazis, Proud Boys, that guy Alan Sweeney, Mm-hmm. who later got arrested for, like, some kind of felony stuff. But he was doing some felonies there, just, like, spraying people with bear mace. And, like, the mm-hmm. cops were just, like, escorting them on this rampage yeah. throughout Capitol Hill, just giving them an escort and then arresting counter-protesters. And, you know, I don't think any of them got arrested. Yeah. But, like, several counter-protesters got arrested for not, like, respecting their their boundaries or whatever. Like And, and yeah, and towards the end of it, like, they were like talking about calling the cops for an evac or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I, and I think you know sometimes people say, "What's the point of uh, protesting? Nothing ever happens, or whatever." Right? But uh, you know, one of the things that is nice about taking people to these protests is they get to see this firsthand. Like, if you've been to enough protests, May Day marches, or whatever, right? 
you uh, get to see how the police react differently to different groups of people and the different circumstances uh, that's worth seeing. I mean, uh, throughout the the insanity of 2020, <laughs> throughout that, uh, mm. I mean, daily you seem to get multiple uh, examples like that. But, yeah, good stuff, exciting stuff. But um, maybe on, on to Seattle, right? So 2020... Uh, we got to witness SPD doing their, their dogged best out there, uh, just trying to keep order in the old city. Um, some people, you know, maybe we're a little critical of them or whatever, but we've learned now from, I guess, Bruce Harrell and his comments to the police that uh, they're world-class, they're reformed, mm -hmm. right? They're uh, already world-class. They're going to be the best police department in the country. There in the go. universe, even. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know about uh, police departments and, you know, Alpha Centauri or whatever. Like, Well, science what, is still working on it. We don't what, know yet. That's what, the thing. That's how successful the consent decree process has been. They've taken the, It's taken the department from, like, worthy of direct intervention from the federal government because of extreme <laughs> malfeasance and a total breach of trust with the community to skyrocketing past all of the rest of the you know, normally good departments in the country that, you know, mm -hmm. are just good cops doing good police work that don't haven't required uh, federal intervention to actually surpassing all of them. Yeah. You know, in in goodness. In goodness, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we, we've been sure the consent decree, of course, it, it came into effect in 2012, right? So we're in year 10 of it now. Uh, I guess, what are your thoughts on, has SPD, uh, do you think they fulfilled this consent decree? And I think we know where that's going. So maybe more importantly, what's the value of something like a consent decree? I think we should get rid of the consent decree. Um, I'm, I'm actually anti-consent decree. Um, just simply from the, for, for the fact of that we saw like, uh, I, I'm going to sound like, uh, like a conservative, you know, talking about big, big government meddling in, uh, mm -hmm. you know, our, our local business. But I mean, it's like, it's true. There's like a lot of stuff that we can't do with a federal judge, like looking mm -hmm. over it. I mean, for ex the perfect example is the um, the less lethal ordinance, um, ordinance. like uh, anyways, like that, yeah. I mean, that got struck down like mm -hmm. on like July 24th, July 25th, the most single most, violent day uh, police response of the entire 2020 protest was like they they all of a sudden they got their their toys back and then they mm -hmm. just like went hog wild on us and just this With most direct like permission the thumbs up from mm -hmm. yeah federal court yeah. and so i mean there's all kinds of stuff it, i think it, you know uh the consent decree would to a certain degree uh it uh, interferes with the the ability of activists to decrease the uh, the police force uh, their footprint mm -hmm. uh, because you know they say well we need like XX and X uh, for compliance we need like mm -hmm. we need a certain amount of dollars because like otherwise they're gonna cut training programs yep and then also too like I, I think the the next like under the like Biden's plan Biden's plan is all based on I call it like no no cop left behind. <laughs> it's it's just because it's just like no child left behind except for it's all carrot and no stick. It's just like mm -hmm. if you meet all these guidelines, it's all like money based. It's like okay, if you meet like diversity hiring, 
uh, targets or whatever, like you get more money, but it's like, you don't get money taken away from you. If you like, you know, commit like a hundred shootings or whatever, Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, there's, there's no, there's no nothing on the opposite end of that, but yeah. You just I mean, hang out in the school hallway and there's no consequence. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's just like, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like, um, it's weird. It's like, I want, I want them to get out from under the consent decree, but I also don't want them to get credit for getting out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of a a weird position. It's like, I don't want to like admit that they've like met the the criteria because they haven't. Yeah. And like, I I highly suspect that there's a lot of like, in terms of uh, the metrics, I think there's a lot of like uh, fudging numbers, you know, because I mean, there was the whole thing with like, because I mean, a big part of the consent decree is is like uh, checking to see if there's bias in race, uh, housing, mental illness, like all those like statuses. But it's like there's there's definitely some questions about the bookkeeping there because like a, a lot of the races like aren't recorded. You know, it's like yeah. so, so which like, one? particularly in Terry stops, which was like a big part yeah. of the consent decree, and yeah. they just stopped recording race on Terry stops. Right? <laughs> like it's like oh okay, well I guess it was I guess the thing about you like overstopping black. People, although hilariously the stats still show they overstopped black people, but like you know. But yeah, I, I've just personally, like, I've looked at, because, you know, all the uh, demographic data is, like, in all the uh, accountability stuff um, for, like, the officers, too. It's, like, I'll, I'll see, like, officers, you know, I mean, like, I don't know. It's, like, race race is, is very complicated, and, mm-hmm. like, you know, a lot of people don't, like, present exactly like the race. But, I like, I'll see somebody listed as, because they, they have a thing that's, like, for two or more races. I'm, like... I see this this one guy, or I, I see people who are listed as like, who are white guys listed as like, uh, black or Native American yeah, or something yeah. like. I've yeah. seen that, and it starts. I start like questioning. Like I was like, how how is this? Is this an error? Like yeah, you know, or is this intentional? Is this someone we didn't treat like shit? You know, <laughs> like had a had a semi like positive uh, interaction with that went by the book. Uh, yeah. Well, I think that, like, uh, you know, particularly officers self-reporting about themselves, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's always a certain level of suspicion, right? Because they are motivated. They have motivations, right? They're motivated to lie. They're motivated to do whatever. And, again, I, I think it shows the limitations of these kind of simplistic liberal reforms. Mm-hmm. Of, all we got to do is go in and just turn some dials at the old police department and everything will change. And... I, you know, going back to a point that you had sort of made earlier when we were talking about, like, what, you know, what's the difference about structural critiques of the police mm. at this point of, like, I don't think every police member is, like, in the Klan, is that contrary to popular belief, there are lots of non-white cops in America. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and cities, I mean, the reason, part of the reason why the Seattle's department is so white is the city's so fucking white, right? Mm. But in other cities that are more representative of what cities in this country actually look like, uh, they have diverse police departments. Like Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And, like, all the same shit happens, right? Because uh, even worse, like, uh, in the, the, the Baltimore Gun Trace Task Force is, was, like, the, the ones that was, that was famous for just, like, robbing drug dealers and just doing all kinds of, like, crazy shit. I mean, some of the, like, the, I mean, the leading members, I would say, uh, Wayne Jenkins, and I forget what the other guy's name was. Because, I mean, they just did the, the mm-hmm. show about it. Uh, we own this city. The leading members, those were white guys, but I mean, if you looked at like the actual team, uh, it was like mostly black officers, like yeah. uh, on that team. 
Uh, you know, um, it's like, but I mean, and if you look at it too, it's like they had like the same incentives, and if, you know, they they try they try to treat then like they would always be referred to as like a rogue unit. And it was yeah. like, no, I mean, they were being actively like rewarded by the department because they were high performing by mm -hmm. like, by the department's metrics is like, they were getting the arrests, They were getting the felony prosecutions and blah, blah, blah. They were getting all the stats and they like, weren't, they weren't in the Hills. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Know, right. uh, like <laughs> a rogue unit that yeah. reports to the precinct every morning. Yeah. Know? Like there's like gorillas on the, you know, yeah. countryside or something. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, if you look at the police officers that were involved in the murder of Freddie Gray, I think it's mm. like three out of the four are black, right? You know, yeah. And the thing is, it's like, this is what it is to have like a structural critique of these institutions, yeah. right? Is to say that you can't just go turn the knob, right? You can't just say, oh, we got to turn the knob down on white officers, turn the knob up on the, because policing isn't racist because a bunch of individuals showed up one day and were like, you know what I think is pretty cool, David Duke and the Klan. Let's just mm. do that today. Like, police is racist because the prerogatives that are mm. institutionally put into policing, you know, are designed to attack poor people in America's history of slavery, racism, etc. It means the disproportionate amount of those people are black, right? Yeah. You know? And, uh, and it's, it's one of those things, too, I think that is the problem with some of these consent decrees is they don't Nothing in them is a medicine for the problem. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I mean, it's like every single reform, I mean, because, you know, like reform is, is a lot of it is based on, um, based on like academic literature to a certain extent. It's mm -hmm. like, of like, you know, they'll do like a study that says like women are less likely to use uh, force or, you know, or blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. But I mean, that's like only, okay, so let's hire more women. But, you know, there's kind of like an upper limit to that strategy is like, you're never going to get a 50 50, mm -hmm. like half, uh, half women, half men. And it's just because, like, police forces are so god awful to women. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. They, they, they get sexually <laughs> harassed, they get mm -hmm. like uh, passed over, they get treated like shit just in general, and like uh, they get condescended to. It's like, and it's the same thing. It's also too. It's like uh, okay. So, but I mean, it's like basically like every single reform idea is just boils down to like let's give cops more money. Yeah. It's like uh, we need to hire more cops with uh, bachelor's degrees. It's like okay, let's, to do that we need to make policing salaries like more competitive. Let's give cops more money. It's like uh, you know, like let's hire like I don't know. It's like it's like it's diversity let's let's give cops mm. more money to like attract you know incentivize it's, it's, it's always comes down to that it's like every single idea it's like uh more training let's give cops more money for training so mm. like they'll they'll train their, their cops better and then they, they won't be doing all this stuff they'll they'll read uh let's make them read white fragility yeah <laughs> yeah right let's yeah. This and that. yeah, which is sort of like missing the point. I mean, uh, was it Perdone or whatever who has the like famous saying of like the, the beauty of the laws that's equally illegal for the rich and poor to sleep under right, the bridge, yeah. right? You know, it's like it misses the point of like how legal structures actually uh, work. And I mean, on the money side of it, I remember when there was a lot of uh, at least public call in this city for, uh, you know, cutting funding to SPD, right? To funding mm. SPD. And I never saw that judge jump so fucking fast to invoke yeah. the consent decree that he did when he was like, oh, because of the consent decree, you actually can't cut funding. To right. 
and, and the monitoring team, the monitoring yeah. team for the consent decree, uh, Anthony Oftelier, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but anyways, this guy is a guy who, it's funny because like the last uh, federal monitor quit in disgust in 2020 mm-hmm. said that uh, SPD was at the lowest point ever. It was just like horrible. And then this guy comes in, this guy is like close friends um, with O'Toole. Like yeah, they yeah, work yeah. together in Ireland. Yeah. And uh, he actually Hilarious. thinks, he, he also <laughs> thinks, he also thinks Seattle uh, PD is a model for reform. He thinks, okay, we just got to like, uh, you know, do a little tweaking around on the margins, you know, got to get these stats up, you know, like got to mm. like <laughs> get these other stats down. Mm. Uh, just got to do some, you know, it's, it's, it's just closer. Yeah. He's coming in to close the, uh, close <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Down, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, it, I mean, it definitely feels, I mean, I, I, I use this probably too much on the show, but I mean, it just feels like bossing, man. Like, you know, they're just waiting everybody out to get tired, you know, to a certain amount. And then they just are going to quietly be like, you know, we'll just get rid of the consent decree. And everybody yeah. will just, you know, be like, ah, eh. you know, it'll just be this thing of the past. Uh, and I'm kind of with you. Like, I, you know, I, I would like to see it gone, but I just worry that when it's gone, the the message will be they've reformed. They're better now. Yeah, right? yeah. As opposed to the way it should go, which is this has been a total fucking failure. Yeah. SPD is as bad as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. The thing you is, know? like, that... That is, I mean, you know, there's nothing you can do to change that. That is, yeah. I mean, the consent decree ending doesn't change anything for the co- the police. It's like a few people like have to get different jobs and stop, and some little less paperwork has to be done. They get to say some people get to go out and say, "Hey, we did this." They get to use like yeah. one more piece of ammunition. But look, there's a deluge of pro cop propaganda. Like, it's not like we're really actually without this on the verge of. Uh, you know, defunding, like, taking any mm-hmm. money away. Like, so you could say the, the when it does happen, you can say the correct thing, which is that this is, um, I mean, I, I think if anything, that, yeah, it's positive because, you know, again, they're, the, the pro-cop, pro-reform side is out there, like, well-funded. If anything, with this, when they get out of the consent decree and continue, and everyone in the, country is out saying from the federal government the judges the monitoring team seattle politicians the mayor the police chief are saying we are a model for policing in the in america and then they continue to commit heinous crimes mm-hmm. and that that is the maybe next generation of uh an anti-reform argument you know that's the next step of that like look that you, you know we did we went all the way the federal government stepped in and that this is what you get you know mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, because it comes back to the question of, like, what was achieved by 2020, right? You know, uh, a lot of people were in the streets, like, a lot of people, a lot of energy out, and it's easy to be deflated uh, given the what seems like the results of it. But, of course, the, the counterattack was always going to come, right, mm. you know? Uh, but it has been interesting. I think the thing that has stuck with people is this exact issue of, like, I think more than ever people look at the police with suspicion, right? Mm, yeah. You know, I think that response to Uvalde is horrifying as what the police did there and all that kind of stuff. That response was informed by the previous decade of the post-Ferguson, post-George Floyd stuff to where people were just from the get not believing the police. Like when yep. they came out with their story, we're instantly like, they're fucking liars. They probably killed those kids. You know? yeah. <laughs> like that was everybody's first instinct. I felt like was like, all right, how many cops or how many kids did the cops shoot? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, or different, uh, different, 
degrees of that on a spectrum yeah. across America, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean. And, like, uh, yeah, like, also, cops are feeling it themselves, as we've talked about recently. Like, people don't like them, and they yeah. don't, it's, <laughs> it's harder to recruit cops for that reason. Yeah, and I think you had mentioned recently that on a lot of the exit interviews, which we've read some of them on here before when they've been in the press or whatever, yeah. uh, people are mean to me is, like, one of the number <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Well, you know, when it it gets back uh, to like like the legacy of 2020, and you know, I don't think actually, I don't think we should get too hung up on, um, you know, uh, like yeah, it's like you always, you know, in politics, you always want some kind of tangible goal, and you know, like ideally, like what what would have happened is we would have translated that movement energy into like electing NTK and Nikita. But I mean, that's, that's not what happened. Um, but I mean, I, I think it gives you some kind of like clarity in terms of, you know, I look at it in, in, in terms of like hegemony. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you don't, this hegemony or like this sort of like carceral mentality or this way of like looking at police and prisons, this has been so like ossified and just, it's, it's so solid. It's been around for like, you know, a hundred years at least that like uh, since the dawn of modern policing, like this like association of police with public safety and you know, you're not going to break through it's like smash through this all in like one go, even with like a, um, a movement as powerful as the one that we saw in 2020. But what, what I think, you know, the, the bright spot that did came, that did come out of that was, um, just kind of is start chipping away at that hegemony is like, you started actually seeing some people, um, you know, like I think in that moment there, there was like an, a, an attempt to, sort of like reassert hegemony at the time, but it was just like too powerful. And so it's like, you had like the New York Times was like books to read for this moment. And it's like <laughs> anti-racist baby and you know, white <laughs> fragility, or like stuff like that. So it's like, they were like, oh, you should read all this stuff and like read all this like liberal bullshit. And, but, but then you had like all these other like voices that started coming out, like actual like abolitionists. Yeah, like Derek mm -hmm. Purnell, Miriam Kaba, um, you know, people actually started reading this stuff. People started talking about this stuff. And so it was like the first time you actually did have like an alternative to more cops. And it, mm -hmm. was a, it was like, you know, you had people like speaking about it. It became like part of the conversation. So like, I think, but even though, like, even with that, it's like, you know, in the absence of the movement, like the next year, like, there was this huge pendulum swing, you know, the other way. It's like almost like instantly because it was, it was the Democrats. It's like as soon as the election was over, it's like, you know, you had Joe Biden was speaking with like the NAACP and all these black leaders about like, you know, they're, they're like, OK, what are you going to do about cops? Here are some things you can do. You can make a national registry of police like blah, blah, here's some simple things you could do. You don't even need a majority. And he was like, whoa, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're being told we're, we're trying to defund the police. We got to get past that. We got to win this runoff in Georgia, like blah, blah, blah. And he got really kind of irate that they were like pushing him on this. And then like instantly, January 6th, it's like, 
immediately like the Democrats seized on that to try to reframe themselves as like, oh, we actually support the police. Yeah, they yeah. don't support. They're attacking the police. You know, <laughs> they try to do all this nineties all over again. Baby. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's so bad. And then, like, I think the big thing too is just like the media from being kind of like tepidly like, you know, giving a little bit of like supportive coverage to the the movement to just like all of a sudden just like printing like talking points from like retailers about shoplifting and just like making this like huge, making shoplifting like a crime mm. wave, just like manufacturing mm. this crime wave. Out of it. So, I mean, it's like we had all these forces moving against it, but I think like, like right now is like the time to like, I mean, I think this is like guides a lot of what we're doing is to, to, to really try to keep pushing and even though there, there aren't a lot of hard targets right now in, in terms of like political goals we can work towards, but we can do that, that work of further chipping away at the hegemony and doing the political education is like talking to people and just keep hitting uh, them with like, look, this is how things actually are. This is how the cops operate. This is what the cops do. This is like, what creates crime and public safety and the cops don't do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of like, it's kind of like the myth, the myth of Sisyphus sort of, we're like pushing the rock up the, the yeah, hill yeah, yeah. constantly. But, you know, I think that's, that's the work that needs to be done right now is to organize, like, you know, not necessarily say like this policy or that policy, just like to, to, to just say what's, what's up is up and what's down is down, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think like it may also be that, the viability of the reform narrative of like, well, you know, we just need to do things like the consent decrees, we need to, or you know, you know, the glib like we'll just get rid of the bad apples or whatever, uh, has weakened in the, un, like in the reality that like no one believes you can do anything positive through government at this point. Like all of our institutions mm. are discredited, the pol both political parties are discredited. Like no, nothing has worked for so many decades, like to change anything that now when new waves of like information about police, like catastrophes, like come out, like people don't see it and say like, oh, well, the, the system, I'm sure no doubt the system will respond to deal with that and, mm -hmm. and fix that. You go like, oh, people are able to maybe on some level ha have like what is maybe more instinctual to us as like a systematic, like, well, if this is happening once it's happening a hundred times, you know, every day in a country, the size of America, I think like that people are more open to thinking like that going like, Oh, well, this must be a fucking problem. And, and nothing, no, no like status quo means is going to solve it because it's demonstrable that that doesn't work in any situation, you know? When I think that the, the like, as you were saying, when you're talking about hegemony, right, the the general level, political level, has gotten to the point of, like, ah, maybe there isn't simple reforms anymore, right? Mm. Maybe we need radical solutions. I mean, in some examples of this is how close NTK came to winning that fucking election, which mm. I would have never predicted in yeah. this city, yeah. right? Uh, in my hometown of San Antonio, we elected not one but two socialists in the city council, two DSAMers to the city council, right? That happened because of what happened in 2020. Now, they're not going to yeah. fucking do anything on the city council. It doesn't fucking get you anywhere. But it says something about the population, right? Like where yeah. people's heads are at, right? Um, and that kind of stuff was happening, you know, all over the country. And I mean, the reason why this counterattack, this wave of sort of reactionary shit around, 
you know, <laughs> fucking shopping crimes or whatever. No. Uh, the reason why that has been so intense is because, like, the you know, people got scared. Newspaper editors got scared, right? You know, people in the Democratic Party legitimately are scared of the defund shit. That's why they're so vicious and attacking it, you know? And the reason they're scared of it is that, like, People were starting to agree with it. It wasn't sounding crazy to everybody. Yeah. You know, Alex Vitale could go on, you know, a fucking show and be like, I think, we, you know, maybe we should start moving towards getting rid of the police. And people would be like, oh, OK, that, that's now in the, the realm yeah. of reasonable discussion. Whereas yeah. I can assure you 10 years ago, it was fucking not. No. <laughs> you know, and that, you know, those those are victories, you know, I mean, uh, you know, what happens with it? Yeah, I mean, that depends on what we do now, right? But, like, that is, that's a change. That's a positive change. But in terms of, uh, in terms of, like, concrete policy, I think there is, there is somewhat of an opportunity, like, a window opening, um, just by the fact of, like, um, police departments all over the country, not just in Seattle, are having a hard time hiring, yeah. right? And yeah. so it's like, they basically kind of, in a sense, sort of defunded themselves, like, <laughs> um, you know, because people aren't, being people are being mean to them and you know they don't want to be nobody wants to be a cop because you like yeah you don't get the easy respect a cop is 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 it's a job that if you have like a high school degree you can get some kind of like prestige and like you know get people to like call you officer and whatever but but i mean i think that there is like an opportunity there if uh we can get the, there's an opportunity, at least in like opening. It's it's like a question of wh whether or not politicians will get on board with it. But it's like it's actually happened, and other departments um, have like civilianized positions. Like mm -hmm. uh, like Baltimore, back to Baltimore is like they're actually going to have civilian murder uh, investigators. Yeah, and like. Um, you know, and then there's also all these other like programs, like alternative response that are like getting like, like, like even like Danny Westneaton, his recent call, I mean, he had to acknowledge that uh, Denver's like, what's it called? The star, star response yeah, yeah. was actually reducing, not only like, you know, preventing harm to mentally ill people, but reducing crimes. You know, it's like, w there's all this evidence mounting for police response. And I think, I think, like, if we had, um, you know, if we had, a, a, like, politicians that were actually, like, you know, every politician likes, likes to say they're pragmatic. They like to say they do things that are evidence-based, and they like to like, talk a big game about that. But it's like, if we had that, we would have an alternative response, like, this year, like, yeah, yeah. a big yeah. one, because it's like... We're having a hard time, uh, you know, recruiting, which, you know, I don't I don't care. I don't care about recruiting cops, but it's like everybody's talking about like response times are going to go up. It's like, well, we have the evidence that's like 81 percent of these 911 calls are non-criminal. It's like no. this is like the solution to like all the things that you say you care about is like the response times, the, uh, you know, the recruitment. The, the, but it's like at the same time, it's that's the really frustrating thing is because it goes back to the hegemony. It's like people have this association between police and public safety that it's like very rigid, mm. and it's like uh, Bruce Harrell has come in like you know vowing to support the cops, vowing to fund the cops fully, uh, wanting to increase the cops uh, SPD by like five hundred. Yeah, yeah. Officers, which is insane. Like, it's just, <laughs> like people don't ever talk about how much that's going to cost. It's like a hundred yeah, yeah. million dollars at least. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and uh, but yeah, but I mean, he's basically like he staked his whole, um, 
you know, political um, identity and his future on getting more cops. And so mm-hmm. it's like there's no way for even though there is, I think I, I think there's a lot of uh, traction on council for standing up, um, you know, an alternative response like uh, Andrew Lewis is always like harping on this. So, I mean, even among the sort of like more moderate yeah, yeah, yeah. council members, <laughs> all the like, council members that aren't named Shabbos Sawant, like yeah. the, there's some support for this. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, even yeah. like. It's like you can sell this on a very like practical thing. It's like even if like even if you're pro cops, you say like, oh, the cops are like they're overworked. They're doing stuff that you know is is uh, they shouldn't be doing. That we should like offload this, take uh, you know take t- take some of the load off this uh, off our boys in blue or blah 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 or whatever. However you want to frame it, but like any way you slice it, this is like alternative response is a pragmatic response to. Um, you know, the, the, the state that we're in, uh, the current situation. But I mean, then there's all these other forces like at work, there's Mm -hmm. Spog, you know, it's like, would, would they, uh, would Spog, if we, if we try to set this up, would they file with the NLRB, you Mm -hmm. know, the saying we're like amending, we're taking their their jobs or whatever, you know, it's like, so, I mean, there's so many things that's like, that interferes with the obvious policy solution. It's a, yeah. Well, I kind of think, too, the um, the trying to reshape the focus of crime to be about uh, shoplifting and how this is actually the highest form of crime and all this kind of <laughs> stuff, right? Uh, done by the mafia and all this kind of shit, right? I think part of that, too, is to try and push back on what was, I think, in some places uh, where people were hiring, like, you know, reform DAs and stuff like that, but... Mm. Uh, in some places where people were like, yeah, maybe we should take some of this off the police's plate then. They're the ones who claim to be so overworked. Let's take some of this low-level stuff off their plate. And I think the, you know, some of that, like, we got to get tough on shoplifting. So I think it was trying to reassert this idea of like, no, 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 the, the low-level stuff's also important, right? This is part of the 100,000 cops, right? Yeah. Like, we need, you know. And it is. Yeah. That is it is functionally exist. what they do. Like it's what like, they do. Yeah, investigating so, murder is not what the police do. Like, like that's the know? problem is <laughs> yeah. like... Yeah, we get running up against their actual function. Yeah, yeah like, I, I think that, it, you know, um, is something, you know, we were talking about in 2020. It's like all the things you could rethink, you know, the, what you said about in, it was in Baltimore, having uh, civilian detectives, investigators. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, I mean, the, the European model's more like that. You have, like, actual, like, offices of, res- of like, power who investigate actual real crimes but are not police and maybe, like, use the police, like, if they need an escort somewhere, Mm. you know? Um, We're just taking reports. Like, that's mm. most of what cops do is just taking reports and then filing, and they're not, like, investigating. It's like, so somebody gets robbed, you just go, you send, you could send somebody who who makes, like, a pretty decent, you know, wage, uh, like, $40 an hour, you know, a lot less than a cop. You could send... That person train them to take a report. Like it's not that hard. You just like write down what got stolen, file it away. You could do that. Like there's so many things that we 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 could just like, I mean, just even aside from, um, you know, mental health responses is a big one. You know, like welfare checks because these like a lot of like uh, the welfare checks and the stuff that would be great for a non-police response are actually like priority one calls. Like make up about 13 percent of the mm-hmm. priority one calls. And so uh, just like, you know, this person down or something like this, this yeah. is like EMS stuff that like yeah, yeah. cops shouldn't even be doing. Like you don't, you know, 
like I guess maybe there's like some some question whether that person down maybe they got like they're a victim of a crime or something I don't know but yeah. I mean it's like but to jump from that even if you assume that like to jump with the assumption of if a paramedic shows up the the paramedics next on the list or yeah something, right like, and these are absurd assumptions to jump to you know but oh and you know back back to like the stuff that we do and, and like I, you know, as much as possible, uh, I try to like show like object lessons and why police like are bad at providing public safety. And I think that the the most recent one is like, because you know they're they're doing this. Uh, they call it, like something corny, like Operation New Day. Is like <laughs> that. That was what they called the like their downtown like anti shoplifting women. They you know people dressed up like undercovers and like. People in parking garages taking a picture of like somebody stealing like uh, you know toilet paper or whatever mm -hmm. you know, but you know they have this huge deploy on Third and Third uh, and Pike and like this like and right there on that spot somebody beat somebody to death in broad yeah. daylight as a cop was rolling by you know yeah, it's yeah. like so it's like what level of police presence do we need to have before like you know violent crimes and there was another example is like um right on the doorstep of the the fucking um east precinct like yeah, right yeah. in the area formerly yeah. known as chop on the basketball courts yeah. somebody got shot to death like yeah. very recently in like the last month it's like so it's like what what sort of do we literally need a police state in order to prevent crimes from happening, like at what level, like how much more money do we need to give to, to the cops before they actually start, you know, becoming a deterrent, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's a boatload of evidence that actually adding more police just increases the crime level and stuff like that. Mm. But I think it shows for a lot of Americans the total lack of imagination because, you know, anybody who's ever been on these like idiot uh, Twitter arguments about this, right? Somebody will say, like, you know, look, hey, here's a boatload of evidence that, like, adding police has no impact on crime levels. In fact, it might even increase them. And they'll just be like, so what? You think that crime's good then? Because, yeah. you know, either you have more police or more crime. That's your two choices. And, you know, I mean, luckily, everybody in America is too broke to ever go anywhere. But if you go, like, anywhere else in the world, you'll realize, like, oh, statistically less crime here and less police weird <laughs> and shorter sentences like, yeah yeah shorter sentences if you yeah. if you look at almost any european country i mean it's like they have like life sentences uh mm -hmm. i mean none of them have the death penalty but they have life sentences like technically mm -hmm. but they call them life sentences yeah they call them which is realistic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but then the, like the most anybody ever gets for like murder is like 10 years at most you know yeah. it's like and we're like sentencing people just for to life for like because they you know broke like committed some kind of felony on a street three strikes law or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Which which started here in, in Washington. We were the first yeah. three strikes really law. In totally country. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, people forget that before he had uh, Twitter and online notoriety, uh, Varg from Burzum, uh, his notoriety came from murdering somebody, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, and he, and my favorite Varg story is that when he went to jail in Norway, the jail had like weekend release, mm. and so at one of the one of his weekend releases, he was he just ran away. <laughs> So he didn't show back up at the jail, but of course was easily apprehended because he was just like standing on a highway somewhere. <laughs> We're like, all right, Varg, get back in the car, moron. Yeah. <laughs> back to jail or whatever. But it's like, that works. That shit, like treating people like human beings and yeah. not like fucking animals works. Yeah. You know, like, 
you know, uh, as big a dipshit as he is, Varg has not murdered another person, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, murder is, murder is like the lowest recidivism crime. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You know. and, and also too, it's just like, um, like people age, like that's a, the, the really like perverse, like sick thing during COVID is like, you know, um, it's like, we're trying to like clear out the gels by releasing some like really old people. People age out of yeah. out of like risk of reoffending yeah, pretty yeah. early. They like at, at about like forty or it's like most people who commit crimes are like under thirty. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like and so your risk of reoffending just like goes down to like zero past forty, yeah. basically almost like close to zero. You know, there's like these rare outliers, but I mean, people are just so like addicted because that's the thing. You know, you mentioned. Um, dealing with people online who make these like shitty arguments. Like I, I got into an argument with somebody with, like a liberal from Seattle who had, um, who had Kamala Harris profile yes. pic. Like, Dude, I saw a Kamala Harris bopper sticker the other day. My first one I've ever seen in a while. <laughs> I almost took a picture of it for the show, but I couldn't get my phone out. But anyways, go, go on. But yeah, you know, she was like, <laughs> I was, you know, quoting some, some stats and stuff. And like, uh, this, this person like said something about, it's like, well, people don't really like, you know, you, you might have a lot of stats, but it's like, people don't trust defund, uh, the police people because y'all are ideological. I'm like, you're ideological, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. I like I'll, if you want to say I'm like you know they they use ideological like yeah. I mean it's like a slur. I mean it's yeah, like yeah. the same thing with like propaganda. It's like well you know like everybody's ideological yeah, pretty yeah. much. Like well it's like you believe in a model that literally doesn't work. Yeah, like you have the most police, uh, most prisoners on the planet, most police yeah. on the planet, and you're pissing your pants. Like you know what's more ideological than that? You know and thinking that this works, right? But yeah. Yeah, that's no, incredible. I mean, you know, it's hard to break out of that that mindset. Yeah. Well, uh, Justin, thanks uh, for talking about this shit with us. Um, yeah, we always love a good uh, cop conversation here at <laughs> Mechanical Free. Love it. Uh, very uh, uplifting subject. Uh, we could do it all day, but we should probably wrap it up. So, uh, yeah, thanks again. Again, you want to just uh, give us, you know, uh, plug... Uh, where we can find everybody can find uh, you and the rest of the the best SPD gang online. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, yeah, our main you mainly can follow us on uh, Twitter at at divest d i v e s t s p d and uh, Instagram at the same. Uh, we also have um, a Ko-Fi. Uh, where we take donations because uh, we got a lot of projects in terms of, uh, you know, just like uh, filing open records requests, uh, getting court documents, that, that sort of stuff costs money and it's a lot of labor. So uh, you can go to ko-fi, ko-fi.com uh, slash divest SBD. Uh, and, you know, you can either give a one-off donation. We also have uh, some supporting, like you could sign up for a monthly, um, subscription. We don't really have any sort of benefits right now, uh, to being a subscriber other than feeling good. Oh, no, no, no. Your benefit is you can periodically read on like Jason Rance's 
bullshit blog, uh, some <laughs> cop whining about how everybody's mean to him. Yeah, that's your benefit. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, eventually, I think we're gonna get some. Uh, we're gonna get some T-shirts and stickers and stuff like that. So uh, tote bags. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever NPR does, but yeah, uh, yeah, give us give us some money, please. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes for people that want to uh, check that out because I know we got a lot of listeners who're like, I don't know how to use computers, I don't know how to do research, I don't know how to write, <laughs> I, I can barely tweet. Uh, well, yeah, maybe get a little money and you can uh, the, get some money. It's all, all the other thing is the other thing actually, yeah, if you want to, um, if you have a tip uh, about you know you you dealt with a cop and he was mean to you or you know. Did whatever you know, you had a bad time with a cop. You got his name. Uh, you can send him over to us. Uh, we our DMs are always open on Twitter and on Instagram. So just DM us. Um, also, if you want to volunteer, uh, we do take volunteers. Um, you know, we've always got work to do. Um, you know, don't be intimidated. It seems like it's it's you know doing this this sort of research is uh, complex or whatever. But we've got documentation, we've got guides, we've got uh, all sorts of resources. We can teach you how to to uh, investigate the cops on your own, and that's what we want to do. So yeah. DM us. Sure, that's good. Awesome. Yeah, yeah thanks everybody. Bye bye.